Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Porch Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Steve Pitchford. Steve, are you ready to do this? I am ready, George. Thank you very much. Excellent. Let's do this. Steve is the Director of Tax and Portfolio Planning at Tower Point Wealth. He is also a certified financial planner and a certified public accountant. I'm excited to have you on. Steve, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Great. So just a bit of background on myself. I grew up in the Bay Area and I went to UC Davis. I was an economics major there and a minor in managerial economics. So it's certainly a bit of a nerd. Uh, (laughs) I joined the finance and investment club uh, while I was there. That really gave me my first kind of look into the investment world. And it got me, frankly, really excited. Um, So thought about taking my career two different ways. My father was a um, successful tax CPA, so that was going to be one route I could go, or I could, you know, jump right into wealth management, which is something that really interested me as well. Um, But I decided to actually go the tax route first, uh, just knowing that if I wanted to transition into wealth management long-term, that having that CPA and that tax background certainly wouldn't hurt. So I started at one of the big four accounting firms uh, in San Francisco as a tax consultant doing both private equity and real estate partnership taxation with just a handful of individual clients. Uh, Earned my CPA was there. Um, Enjoyed, you know, the intellectual stimulation of working with private equity and partnerships um, in general. But I found myself uh, just drawn to working with individuals directly. Uh, I think it was just part of my personality, you know, I'm pretty outgoing. I, I really, you know, care about people. So I, I wanted to have the end product uh, be direct impact uh, and direct relationships with people. So ultimately, I transitioned into uh, doing more uh, individual taxation at uh, the firm I was working for. And then finally, I was able to um, partner up with a, a pretty large registered investment advisor, so a fully independent firm in uh, the Bay Area where I work uh, kind of had a hybrid role where I was uh, on the uh, advisory side, as any financial advisor would be, but then I was also, uh, quote-unquote, the firm's internal tax expert. Nice. I like it. And I, I was, I was yeah. curious. I'm, I'm always curious about, um, I think that, number one, I have absolutely no idea and would not even know where to begin taking the CPA examination. Um, so credit to you. Um, but I have to imagine <laughs> that that's an awesome foundation for, uh, for doing, uh, financial planning, but I'm curious just how you found that transition to be. And if I imagine you found it to be highly valuable, but just what your experience has been sort of merging those two worlds. Yeah. So it, it's funny. It, it was highly value, valuable and it continues to be. Um, but one thing that I realized is that there is a very different way at times of looking at tax planning from the more compliance side, which is not obviously all CPA firms, but in the end, it's a compliance-driven business. Uh, so I found that that side of it actually didn't prepare me as much as I thought it would for jumping in and immediately making an impact on the, the tax planning side from a wealth management perspective. So um, it really was actually a, a bit of a, a learning curve. Um, but um, I think what was helpful is 
uh, certainly just having your CPA is, is something that is, is very relatable to clients. And I think, you know, for the most part, I think the larger population knows the CPA more than the CFP. So I think it, it uh, immediately gave me some legitimacy, but um, honestly, it was, it was a learning curve because of the way that the two industries um, kind of look at planning a bit differently. Fair enough. So tell us about, uh, tell us about your work and how you, how you're currently working with people and some of the things you're working on. Sure. Uh, so just to back up for two seconds, um, to kind of close the loop on my background. Um, so I actually relocated from the Bay area to Sacramento, but frankly, I just love the Sacramento area. I spent a lot of time up in Tahoe and Truckee. Um, so I just wanted to, to make a move. So before, uh, between leaving my job in the Bay Area and moving to Sacramento, I took a year off to, to travel and did nine months in uh, Southeast Asia, which was uh, an nice. awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, then landed with um, uh, this great firm, a fully independent investment advisor in the Sacramento area called Tower Point Wealth. And as you mentioned, I'm our director of tax and portfolio planning here. And what I do, um, it's again, it's, it's a bit of a hybrid role. And I think what um, my ultimate mission has been, and I think the firm's is to, you know, obviously put clients in the best chance to succeed, uh, not just financially, but in life. I think obviously those things are just happen to be very, very much entangled. For sure. Um, so at uh, Tower Point Wealth, uh, while also serving on our investment committee um, and understanding that prudent investment management is the absolute backbone of our industry. Um, the frustration that I've dealt with is the fact that the market is still out of our control. Um, I think everybody should have a diversified portfolio that has um, a mix of different assets moving in different directions as uh, most financial advisors would uh, recommend. But for me, where we can make a difference, and I think the industry still has a lot of opportunity, is in strategic intangible financial planning and specifically um, on the tax planning side. Um, so I can, I can go into kind of my um, philosophy there and dive into um, uh, some of my recommendations, if that sounds good to you, George. Yeah, I think that'd be perfect. Yeah. So again, so for, for me, and I think for our firm as well, uh, we certainly believe in keeping investment costs low. Um, where that's reasonable, I think that sometimes that can be a bit myopic, uh, but we obviously tend to think that that's important where it's possible. But I think what uh, is often overlooked is, uh, and this is from the tax planning side, is that portfolio returns matter not just after costs, but after taxes, because that's really what you get to keep uh, at the end of the day. So what um, I think is something that's incredibly important for investors to do is to think about um, where they're placing assets based on the assets tax efficiency. And there's three different, um, for our purposes, three different types of taxable accounts to think about when you're placing assets um, uh, between, you know, the most tax efficient to the least tax efficient. So I'll explain those accounts briefly, and then um, we'll talk about our philosophy on how to make sure you're putting the right assets in the right accounts. So there's uh, a taxable account, which is, um, you know, basically just your your uh, brokerage account or you could even say checking or savings account where um, the earnings, which is the interest, the dividends, and any capital gains realized are paid uh, the year that they're recognized. Um, then there's a 
two types of tax advantaged accounts. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar with um, uh, a regular IRA, um, also known as a traditional IRA, where um, most of the time, depending on what your income is, you can get a tax deduction for that contribution um, on your tax return. So that's basically money going in pre-tax. Uh, similar to that is a regular or pre-tax 401k. So we call those tax deferred accounts because the earnings and uh, the contributions are um, not taxed until you take money out, which uh, is usually later in life. And then there's tax-free accounts, um, most specifically your Roth IRA or your Roth 401k, which means that uh, you're not getting any type of tax deduction uh, as the money's put into the account. So it's going in after tax, but uh, contributions, uh, earnings, uh, grow tax-free and any distributions um, come out tax-free as well. So you've got these three different buckets uh, of, uh, of accounts and the real focus here is, um, and this certainly needs to be in combination with your overall investment strategy. You don't want the tax tail to wag the investment dog as is a saying in the industry, right. but what you would want is to have your most tax-efficient assets in your taxable account and your least tax-efficient assets in your tax-deferred and tax-free accounts. Yeah, I think that you're hitting the nail on the head, this idea of, I think everybody hears asset allocation a lot, but this idea of asset location, where you actually hold, what, what kind of account you're holding these different types of investments in, I don't want to, I hate to use the term next level, but it is a second, secondary or second level conversation once you're educating people on the different types, then it's a matter of you really need to be considering where to be holding a certain kind of investment. So I think that that's an important conversation. Yeah, and, and certainly when we're talking about um, what types of investments tend to be tax efficient versus not as tax efficient or tax inefficient, this is... Uh, more of a general rule, um, active funds, so funds that are uh, trading more are going to generate more uh, taxable income or taxable uh, reportable events generally. Um, but then on the other side of that, you have um, municipal bonds, which are uh, bonds, uh, state bonds that pay um, taxable interest income, or I'm sorry, um, interest income that is tax-free at the federal level and possibly tax-free at the state level. So that's very tax efficient uh, and the same with um, ETFs or mutual funds that are more of the indexy type uh, tend to have less taxable transactions within them, less trading. So those tend to be tax efficient. Um, so I think for us, it goes well beyond just putting uh, municipal bonds in uh, a taxable account given its tax efficiency and then um, less tax taxable efficient funds such as um, real estate investment trusts because they you know, produce a, a large amount of ordinary dividend income in tax deferred accounts. What we think uh, investors should do and financial advisors as well is um, have a list of all their investments relative to tax efficiency to tax inefficiency. And again, um, to your point, this is not um, ever going to be something that overrules um, the importance of um, diversification, investment allocation first, but after that, having a focus on where assets are placed from a tax efficiency perspective is important. And you can get these charts online. Um, you can go to Morningstar, which has specific tax metrics, uh, three in particular for each 
um, individual position. So you can build your own list as well. And I think, again, I think the takeaway is to just, just be mindful of it and where you can kind of jigger this to give yourself the best after-tax return to certainly do so. Nice. I like it. All right. So just a quick recap. As much as you can, hold more active funds. Like you mentioned, real estate investment trusts, um, potentially potentially ordinary bond type funds in your qualified accounts and then more tax efficient, a S&P 500 index fund inside of a brokerage account that's not necessarily, that doesn't have a lot of tax uh, tax um, uh, benefits necessarily. There's, there's, it's not, uh, it doesn't grow tax free. So exactly right. I tried to really simplify that and then did a terrible job. <laughs> so, all right. No, I think you, you, honestly, I think you said it better than I did. So that's fine. I like it. All right. So, what's next? So another concept that I, I wanted to talk about is, and this one is, um, I, I think something that a lot of people um, probably haven't even heard, and it's the term tax diversification. So again, uh, I think most people understand uh, what uh, diversifying an asset means from an investment perspective, uh, but tax diversification is actually um, having a mix of assets between taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free uh, accounts. Again, your taxable, like your brokerage, your tax-deferred, which would be regular 401k um, or a uh, sorry, regular 401k, regular traditional IRA, and tax-free assets would be again your Roth IRA. Uh, Roth 401k. And the reason that it can be beneficial to have buckets, um, so you've got one or some assets in each of these accounts, is that there is uh, more of an opportunity to kind of pull levers and have more control of when you're recognizing income um, and doing so um, to minimize your long-term tax liability. And one perfect example of this is something called a Roth conversion. And what a Roth conversion is, is if you have traditional IRA assets, um, you can directly distribute those into a Roth IRA. Uh, again, because distributions from um, traditional IRAs, these tax-deferred accounts are taxed upon distribution, you are um, recognizing taxable income in the amount of the conversion. But um, what we've noticed is that there's a lot of opportunities here to uh, do so in low income years and possibly do so completely free where you're putting assets from a pre-tax account uh, that you possibly have never paid taxes on and getting those into a tax-free account long-term, which is a form of tax arbitrage, if you will. Uh, for example, if uh, a client has um, has a, a business that they're actively involved in, they might generate um, something called a net operating loss, um, which is basically a loss on your tax return that can offset uh, other ordinary income, so you could possibly recognize a $50,000 a Roth conversion if you have a perfectly offsetting $50,000 net operating loss uh, for absolutely free. Uh, another uh, nice. opportunity that we have seen for our clients is uh, there's a nice and narrow window of time between retirement where a client's going to be earning presumably wage income or income from other sources, uh, and when they retire to when they start receiving Social Security income, that generally tends to be a, a lower period of income, uh, which means that um, that might be a perfect opportunity to convert assets to a Roth because you're paying you know, a lower tax rate at that time to get assets into a tax-free account. 
Got it. So just to walk through a pretty a pretty crude example of that that's bouncing around in my head. Let's say that the client's um, 65 years old. They've got $100,000 in a traditional 401k and they move it into a traditional IRA and they retire. Mm-hmm. And in let's just say that that happened in 2020. In 2021, the first year that they're no longer earning an income from work, they start drawing Social Security and let's call that $20,000 a year. And mm-hmm. So this could be an opportunity in a relatively low income environment to do this conversion from the traditional IRA into a Roth? Correct. Okay. And if they were to, is it, should we talk about maybe converting half of that? Can So if they were to convert $50,000 of that, or does it make sense to convert the whole amount? So it, you know, it depends what, what we find is that, and you know, there's a kind of a, it's a judgment call in terms of how much uh, you want to convert. And we, uh, our firm uses something called DNA Income Tax Planner, which is a, a tax projection software. Obviously not everybody has it, but you can always use TurboTax to do this as well, where you basically plug and play with the numbers. And to, to George's point, um, it might not make sense to convert, say, $100,000 this year if converting 50,000 of that is going to bump you into a higher tax bracket mm, right. uh, where we found the sweet spot is, is that there is a, a second tax bracket now after the 0% is, is 12%. Uh, and that's um, one that we find the sweet spot is to possibly convert up to the 12%. And given that our tax um, system is progressive, that means that the higher your income is, the higher tax income, the higher the tax rate is. And then fill up that 12% bucket and possibly not do anything more than that. Because if you, you know, say do another uh, 10,000, for example, that 10,000 might be at a higher tax rate, at which point, you know, maybe not paying the tax now because it's at a higher rate and just deferring it till later makes sense. Got it. Nice. Proactive tax planning versus reactive. I think that we could all probably benefit from doing a little bit more of that. So excellent. Certainly. Yep. Well, Steve, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So this one is one that has helped me uh, kind of my whole life, and that is front load the pain. What that basically means is you know, everybody has a task or, or something that's weighing on their mind, um, but if that's within your control, if it's something that you're thinking about, something that's difficult, something you don't want to do, just do it. Do it right now. Do it immediately. Um, you know, I think a lot of times because something either appears hard or it's going to be uncomfortable um, or you just simply don't want to do it for whatever reason, you have to do it and do it right away. Momentum is a huge part of life. Um, tackling the more challenging tasks helps you gain that momentum, gets you out of your comfort zone. And also, frankly, it's a skill. And the more you do that, um, you know, the better you're going to be long term in terms of all aspects of your life because it just makes you, you get at it and uh, not put off things that, that can be done. And uh, yeah, get out of your comfort zone and front load that pain. Front load the pain. That is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. You got to rip that Band-Aid off, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So we have, let's see, a few things. You could go to my LinkedIn page, uh, Steve Pitchford. You can also go to towerpointwealth.com and you can find my information there. Um, or you could go to Tower Point Wealth Facebook or Tower Point Wealth LinkedIn as well. Excellent. 
Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Steve your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on LinkedIn. Find Tower Point on Facebook and LinkedIn. And you can find their website as well. And uh, definitely encourage you to ping him about all the things we talked about today. And I will list all those locations or I'll list everything in the notes of the show as well. Thanks again, Steve. My pleasure. It was good talking to you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.